Martin, thanks for, for joining us today. I guess the, the first question is to ask you about the week that you've had, the, the time that you've had as Norwich City women's head coach so far. How, how has it how's it been for you? Um, I know it sounds a bit traditional, but it's been a whirlwind, to be honest. Um, I don't even know which day we're on now of me being in Norwich, but it's been an absolute blast. I've absolutely loved it. A lot of challenges, um, but loving it. Two games now under the belt, a couple of wins, getting to start to know some personalities of players, getting to know me staff, getting to know the staff around the building here at the Lotus, getting to know the staff at the UEA. I've, I've made about 300 people. It's more than more people than I've ever known in my life. So it's, um, you know what, it's been frantic, but it's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and like you said, I guess it's a lot of sites for you to get around, isn't it? As well, you've got The Nest, you've got yeah. Carrow Road, you've got here, you've got UEA, as, as you mentioned, that's that's a lot to cover in, in a short space of time. There is, but I think I, I, I like to be in the chaos. <laughs> um, a little bit like our game the other day, which we'll probably touch on, but um, no, I like to be in the chaos, and I actually can't wait. I haven't been to The Nest yet, that's on my list. That's the one place I haven't been to yet, so I think it's on my list this week to get to, but um, great facilities everywhere uh, here at the Lotus is, is unbelievable the UAE great campus I'm, I'm living on campus right now so I'm I feel like a, a 20 year old student again um, but um, yeah some some really really cool good good things there some learnings there so it's really good talk to me about about this summer then you you will obviously have seen this opportunity how did, how did it play out from you from the beginning to, to the end was it something that you saw and were interested in was it something that you were approached about how did, how did it kind no, of work I, and play out I mean I've seen it just probably like everyone else on a I think it just flashed up someone of me coaching buddy sent it saying you know something in, on might be on your radar um I applied uh, connected with Flo came for an interview didn't uh, obviously an assessment here uh, went through all the protocols and um, didn't really know anyone, but uh, I've got to know people really well so far, and I think um, hopefully I'm impressed enough to to get the the job. And obviously I'm here now, so no, it was a robust interview. Uh, seen that it's just something tweaked in us. I live in Newcastle, and you know I've been to Norwich a year and a half ago, and just something really pricked my attention around it, around the club, around the city. Um, although Newcastle's a little bit bigger, it's just similar in that respect that it's it's a hotbed of football. There's not a lot of different sports in terms of football is there. I'm, I'm, I'm hope I'm right in saying this, but football is the number one sport. I said just not long too long ago, I had a walk around Carroll Road and around the city just on Saturday. And just like Newcastle, there's a lot of Norwich City yellow shirts around the town. And I've seen the new purple shirt a couple of times before I've seen me players in it. It was just, I love that. You just know the people of football daft here, so... Yeah, something really caught my imagination. Uh, and for you, was it about speaking to people, trying to find out as much about the club generally? Was it researching into the women's team? How, how did that How did that aspect kind of play out? Yeah, I mean, um, you tried to get. You know, we're in step four, um, so you know it's you know it's a it's it's kind of in a building process. It's you know hopefully it's going to move on to to something bigger in a few years, but. You know, you look at the players, you, you know, you watch as many clips as you can, you get a sense of, of the city and, you know, obviously speaking to Flo and the staff around, you see where this is with the integration with the men's team and the, you know, you see the integration and all these great things happening, you know it's only going one way, it's not going to go backwards, it's going to go forwards and um, you start doing your homework on that and you start to get immersed in it and, you know, you fall in love with it a little bit and, you know, already quickly, I'm what, a couple of weeks in, I'm starting to, I'm not saying I'm quite yellow and green yet but it's coming it's coming I can feel it already after a couple of weeks you know the way people have kind of took us in and really just care and ask lots of questions and really care about you you know and um, 
I've been blown away by that. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's been a great process, and I'm I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah, um, tell people a little bit about your coaching history as well, because you've worked at Newcastle's academy, you've worked abroad as a coach, you've worked in the men's game, you've worked in the women's game before as well. It's, it's, a, it's a really interesting background that, that you have in the game. Yeah, it's not a traditional one. It's not like I was a professional footballer and, and fell into coaching at 34, 35. I had to start a lot younger. You know, I was an OK football player, decent football player, but a, I had a player in my year when I was 13 who played for England in the 16s, he's only 13, so I knew pretty quick, he played for Manchester United, that I wasn't going to get to his levels, and all the boys, although it was brilliant to play with him, all the boys pretty much knew we weren't going to make it pro, so I started really early to coach, didn't think I ever wanted to coach, I always wanted to be, would you believe, and this is probably an exclusive, I wanted to be a fireman, um, or a police officer, I knew I wanted to give back in some way to the community, that was just me personality, but I also coach because of my family, and, and, and my brother, and different things, I always got dragged in, I love football, so I always coached, whether it was grassroots teams or... But I started to get more serious in my 20s. Um, started doing my coaching badges. Um, obviously, um, worked as a, as a bit of a support analyst, kind of just or a support coach with in, in international. Probably jumped a little bit because I used to go on camps with Canada soccer and New Zealand soccer in the infancy. And that really pricked me in that imagination. You know, I was really close hand with top top players and you see how they perform they were inspiring with their high performance habits and this is 15 years ago nearly 20 so that took us on a journey to go and then get even more badges even more coaching hours that 10,000 hour rule I was always told get your 10,000 hours it must be well above 50 60 yeah I just coached at every level the foundation level at Newcastle um, the RTCs but one thing I was really keen on was to to not just say I'm a men's coach or a women's coach I just coached anyone who liked football whether that was in disability, whether that was in, you know, under sevens, under tens, under eighteen. So I really got me in, in my first, in my primary years, just coached as much as I could, really, and, and not just high performing. And then later I started to get into the older ages, and you know that's where it really started to take off with Durham Women and uh, Newcastle's Academy, obviously in Vancouver Whitecaps, and as a high performing coach in soccer New Brunswick and Moncton, probably missing a lot more out. I've coached in so many areas and. I just wanted to get a real solid base, so when I did really get a, a role like this, I was ready, and I had a really strong kind of spine behind us to, to call on lots of different scenarios and experiences, so yeah, a bit, bit different to the norm, but I wouldn't change it, if I'm honest. It's interesting because I've been coached by, by people before who, uh, similarly to, to you, I guess, don't have that playing background mm -hmm. in football and, and spoken to a few of them about it. And they, they always say, well, you have to walk into a dressing room and command it somehow. And if you, yeah. if you don't have that aura of being an ex-player or being yeah. someone recognisable in the game, then actually you kind of need a CV and you need to go out there on the grass yeah. and, and prove it. So that's, that's the case. And, and that's kind of been the, the key to your journey as well, mm. I suppose, that, that kind of work ethic and, and intent. It has to. There's no straight linear way to the to a coaching opportunity, and I've got a lot of friends who are or, or young coaches who are like, "How do I get to this position?" And I'm saying, "You've got to put the hours in." You know, unfortunately, you've you've just got to, it's a process. Like, um, you've just got to go and get your X amount of hours. You've got to go and coach a variety of situations, do some good things. You know, have some bad coaching sessions where you review. Have some great coaching sessions where you feel great. But you know, you really want to get them all that rust out of you and have all those kind of questions done early and then when you start to to hit your kind of your prime and you know you you feel like you've had a really good 
kind of background of coaching experiences. And I think for anyone who hasn't played at the top level, you know, you look at Mourinho and them guys, he was Bobby Robson's linguist, you know what I mean? And, you know, that's a, you wouldn't believe that. But I always say, like, if, if I'm a young up-and-coming coach, go and, if I'm telling the guys now, go and be an analyst for a little bit, go and learn the game from a computer. Then you get out and do your hours or go and, go and get out there and be around coaches, just go and, and share your experiences and be around top coaches and just watch, just give up some time as well. So... There's lots of different ways of doing it, but you know, there's not one linear pathway. Would you have, would I have said I'd be at Norwich City 20 years ago? I'd probably say, what? But um, yeah, it's happened, and I'm I'm loving it. So yeah. You, you mentioned your your brother earlier on. He's yeah. obviously head coach of, of Canada and, and, yeah. and held other jobs. How helpful? How uh, and maybe even from a competitive element, how useful has that been to have your your brother as a coach for guidance yeah. for someone to to lean on? How, how useful has that been? Well, surprisingly. We're not that competitive because actually, you know, and surprising what everyone would think because I've got more grey hairs than him, is he's actually eight years older than me. So really, he was like a, a father figure to me rather than a, or a big, big brother. So like eight years is quite a long time. So I never, we never had that competitive. We always like, I always rooted for John and we, he always roots for me. We just got each other's backs really. So I think for me in the early days, not so much now because we're both really busy and we're just cracking on, but in the early days, I used to ask him every question under the sun. You know, when I used to go on camps, I used to be really close to him and just say, why do you do that for? What, what, what's all that about? Um, and he used to give his honest answers, which is, which is, you can't sometimes ask that of some people. He was, you know, he was often give us really good education. And, you know, so a lot of me learning is there. A lot of me learning is from, and I always say mentors don't have to be right beside you you know I loved Kevin Keegan I love Bobby Robson two of my favorite people just compassionate great men you know and uh, I like to be around just good people like really good people and although I never you know I seen KK deliver a session in Maiden Castle in the 90s uh, shook his hand once you know he wouldn't believe that I probably would call people like that a mentor but I've had a lot of good mentors over the years some who know they've mentored us or some who don't and I think it's just getting different perspectives but going back to me brother yeah he's a he's a very good role model you've seen him jump from the women's game to the men's you wouldn't be surprised in the future if he coach you know he's, he's just like myself you know you coach people you know not that's what it's about if people have a passion for football it doesn't matter you just just coach you know and just enjoy the game uh, and would you say your your footballing your outlooks on football are, are very similar I guess they must be because of your background and and, and the way that maybe you've you've come and, and developed and grown up each other and spoke about football endlessly yeah. I would imagine in, in your household yeah we I mean, we both, um, would you believe me, brother actually worked at Sunland. He doesn't like us to tell him that he worked <laughs> at Sunland. So there's a bit of a clash there. And I worked for Newcastle. So when I got my first tracksuit on there about 20 years ago, he was, he was devastated. But um, <laughs> um, no, I think we have. And I think I think um, we went, went through a few years where obviously went to New Zealand. You're talking that's 27 hours away. Do you know what I mean? On a flight. So I had some couple of trips there. But I went to Canada for four years. Um, was part of the system there and what he built there was incredible with the women's team to win back-to-back -back bronze um, and then with the men's team to take them the first World Cup I seen it firsthand you know I lived really close to him and you know to see the, the the work ethic the dedication but also that that Geordie in him that kind of I want to play on the front foot I want to go and attack teams you know you want to do that every week sometimes that isn't like on Sunday just gone you want to go and outplay the opposition and really play an attractive style but Sometimes, you know, you know, the opposition play their best game of the season sometimes. And, I, you know, I think that's what happens. But, yeah, we probably do. I, I think we're different because there is an age gap there. But I think we probably do have similar, similar opinions. But, 
because of where we've been. He's been away from England for 20 years now. I've been in England for a long, long time, so I've, we've got a very different experiences and we took different pathways, but similar people, yeah. When did women's football come on, on your radar as, a, a, yeah. as a possibility, as a career route for, for coaches? Because I, I, I can imagine, and I'm sure, you know, certainly within football fans, but maybe even within the game as well, mm. there are people who would look down on that route and, and yeah. not see that as a viable route to, to, to becoming a full-time coach. When did that I, sort I, of enter your radar as a possibility? Well, I, I'll tell you exactly. There was two moments. So obviously one was my brother was the New Zealand women head coach. He invited us into camps, but at the time, Coaching was still on the radar, but it was never considered a, you know, you had to get the top jobs to get a good, a good wage at that time. So I was just coaching for fun. And then in 2012, obviously, um, um, they came over with Canada for the Olympics at St. James's Park. And, you know, I followed them around everywhere and I fell in love with the women's game then. They went and won the bronze, but it was because of their moments that really inspired us. And literally within a month, I put an application at the Durham Women for an RTC role. Um, and I ended up being the on the first team staff within within two three months, so something changed in me then. I spent a few, you know a good few years working with the university team there, which is going to give us some good opportunities with the UEA to call on the experience. Um, so now I just fell in love with the game um, at that point with the women's side. So, but yeah, there's been a couple of occasions, but I think that is probably be more around a family thing in terms of that inspired us. But then I fell in love with it myself, you know, and that that journey's just continued all the way through. How much growth do you see that there is at Norwich City? I mean, we're speaking a few days after a World Cup yeah. football, uh, World Cup final, obviously, that, that the Lionesses have, have played a part in and obviously fell on the wrong side. It feels like mm. there's a real buzz around the, yeah. the women's side of the game at the moment. This football club, step five, is, uh, or step four, sorry, is, as you mentioned, feels like there's a lot of potential here to, to grow and, and to mould. Where do you kind of see that and how, how do you see that process unfolding? Well, I think specifically for women's football, there's only one way it's going. It's not sideways or backwards, it's, it's, it's forwards. So that's good news for every club in the country, never mind Norwich. But, you know, listen, I think them questions are more for flow in terms of the, the, the strategic planning. I know I'd like to take it and that's kind of our, our goals internally. But I think there's only one way it's going to go and that's open. It's going to get bigger. You know, you follow the models of some of the other clubs. Some of them have gone hybrid to part-time to full-time. I'm sure in years to come or whenever that when them opportunities come and we're ready, we'll take those steps. But right now, we've just got to focus game to game and, and make sure we're doing the right things on the training ground and around. But the women's game is what we hope is there's clubs can get on board. You know, the, you know the, the the leagues grow above us. You know, the WSL, the championship grows from 10 to 12 to 14 to 16 upwards, you know, and we start to mirror the the Premier League and the Championship there but you know there's still some incremental steps to do for here at Norwich and I'm sure we'll take those steps when we're ready. Well and again similarly what, what have you made of the group that, that you're working with there's obviously been I think seven new, new additions yeah. um, so two-part question I guess really kind of what, what influence did you have over those guys coming in was that something that, that you were responsible for or is that something you've kind of inherited and, and then secondly what have you made because there's a, a lot of players within that group who have played at the club for a long time they've played under Sean yeah. how have they found working under a, a new voice in, in yourself? I, I can't speak for the players I think um, Hopefully over time they'll say they enjoy my style. I think they've been um, there's a lot of information gone in. Um, obviously I'm full time, so that gives me a lot more time and you know to, to do that on you know uh, to be able to you know to focus fully on the first team obviously as well as UAE. But in terms of the players, I'm I'm really excited to get working with them. I'm still fine tuning who does what and where. That that's going to take time. You know, I, I'm trying to, we're trying to accelerate processes just to try and see and, and try things in training. 
Um, in terms of the new signings, all seven will be will be a big a big part of the squad this year. Will all seven be in the squad every week? Maybe not. Maybe they will. Um, will there be players left out of the squad who who maybe have been around for? Yeah, they will because there's, there's there's a lot of it's a big squad and there's not many. Well, they're all very good players in that squad. So, I think for me, um, in terms of the signings, yeah, they were. They're all my style of player, for sure. Um, and I think as we move forward, I'm sure these girls, are, you know, they, they're fitted in lovely. I think we had a we had a great day out at the um, kayaking and we had a bit of fun there. So straight away, they, they, they integrated brilliantly. Um, and now it's just that competition for places and everyone's, there's a, there's a fight now for places. And I love that. I love that competition. So, yeah. Just a, a couple more. Um, two games so far. The one at the weekend, I think, obviously late late yeah. winner. I think you, you've already spoken about maybe the, the performance, maybe not quite being where, where yeah. we want to be, but yeah. good teams find a way to win. No, exactly, which is, which is which is good. What what have you kind of made of, of your opening few games in, in charge so far? You know, Roxham two nil was a was it wasn't a complete performance, but was a good performance. We dominated the ball, and on Sunday it was just a, a chaotic win. That's how I'm going to say it. But you know what, the girls were. Were, were showing some signs of fatigue, but they just showed a resilience from somewhere to win that game. And we just got in the huddle and looked at each other and said, wow, like, we're really proud of you. And they were so happy. They said, you know, one of the things they said was maybe in the past we would have lost that game. And we were pretty close. I mean, a 90th minute penalty miss and then we got to go up the other end in the 96th minute. But um, listen, I don't want too many games like that this season. But what I'll say to any supporters or anyone out there is it might take four, five, six games to get us playing the football that we want. And the girls understand that because you can't just bring in seven new players and go, right, okay, you girls, we want you to do this, this and this, when maybe they haven't been used to that before. So we're asking them to do a couple of different things that maybe they haven't done before. I'm not saying it's better or worse, it's just different. Um, I'm learning them. They're learning about me. We're learning about staff. We're learning about we're integrated fully now here. Um, there's so many new things. They've got new staff members. You know, they've got full-time Oh well, they've got S&C access now. They've got gym here access. They've got a physio on board now. We're all just learning, and I think we've got to be patient with that process. So to come out with a two-one win on Sunday for me was was fantastic because Sudbury were a very good side, and they'll bloody some noses this year. They'll they'll beat some teams who probably we don't expect. So I'm glad we played them early because they, they could have caught us um, a little bit a little bit later. But I'm just glad that we we've got that one out the way. If I'm honest, yeah. Prospect of a game at Cow Road on the horizon mm. as well. Next mm. month, I'm sure you, you will have seen when you when you were maybe conducting your, your research a game at yeah. Cow Road last year. Seven and a half thousand fans. Yeah. I think you've already sold two thousand tickets. Yeah. Prospect for for you to, to walk into that environment, but, but also your players. How much are you all relishing that that moment to come in a few weeks? Well, I can already sense the players are already they're already on game five already. It's not like they're thinking about this weekend or the week. They're like, how do I make sure I'm in that? And that's fantastic because they know these next four games training's going to be hot they're going to be on it they know when they play they've got to hold on to that shirt but expect some some little rotations from me we've got cup games coming up we've got game three four and five have come really quick we've got a seven we've got like a 10 game period we've got three or four games don't expect the same start in 11 you know expect fluid changes and the players have got to get used to that fluidity they'll be in they'll be out um if they're undroppable they're undroppable there's, there's a couple who have really come in and it just really caught my eye already and I'm like wow they are strong they are strong strong players and I can see a few others are getting to that level but it'll just take some time and it might be hopefully on that game where we peak that's what I'm hoping for we peak on that game in the big stadium so really excited myself and I know the players are already 
David Wagner was was sat in, in that very chair actually a few days ago and, and mentioned that he'd had a coffee with you. I think in in the yeah. in the training ground. What what was that like for you? What was you obviously don't need to tell us the ins and outs of the, unless you want to. But no. Um, yeah. what, what was that like as a, a situation? I guess to be to be sat alongside him speaking all things. Yeah, he's a, he's a really nice uh, gentleman. He came in and he's, he's asking us lots of questions. He's got dogs like me. He's got family. Um, he likes coffee. We like coffee, so we said one day we'll go into Norwich and have a coffee together. So um, I don't know who's buying yet. We didn't decide that, but um, yeah, no, he's and I, we just I just mentioned we just talked about he had a cup game. I said obviously David, we've got a cup game coming up. What's your thoughts? They won obviously one nil, and he said yeah, we'll be making changes tomorrow. Really excited, and obviously they went out and won one nil. So it kind of inspires me that you know we might make changes, we might rotate the squad, and it's a chance for people to come in and really show me what they can do if they already haven't so yeah really nice to talk to him really fantastic guy and just down to earth and you know we had a good 20 minute chat and hopefully we'll do it again and invite us to come and watch sessions and to be around the environment so just fantastic yeah yeah and, and that was going to be my last question really have you kind of found that you're pushing against an open door in that regard with the club in terms of training here and, yeah. and if you want advice you could go and knock on his door etc you get in that sense I actually think he would I think he would just say come in for a coffee I really do I think it's just probably finding the time right now I've probably got me questions I'm just we're just we're just cracking on both of us we're right in the heat of battle right now there's no time so when we breathe I'm sure we'll come together and say how did you find this or what, or what have you but you know, Norwich, the, the men's side are, are doing really well and we just got to keep trying to emulate them and, and just get our heads down and win some games and try and play some decent football. But yeah, really yeah, great job he's doing and, and David and fingers crossed they can keep it going. And I'll hopefully get to my first game in a couple of weeks. I think uh, myself and, and Flo and a couple of others are going to go. So hopefully I'm cheering on the men as well. Lovely stuff. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mike. Flo, I thought we'd, uh, I thought we'd start reflecting on last season, um, mainly the, the Carrow game, because I, I don't think we've been been able to speak since then. Uh, it was obviously such an important event for, for you. I know you were involved in a lot of the organisation, with a lot of other guys as well, but to come away with 7,500, you, you must have been absolutely delighted with, with how that, and a win, of course, and, and how that all played out. Yeah, it was a really historic day for the club. Um, we were super proud of all the planning that went in beforehand. We were meticulous with, you know, where, where should we put the fan zone? You know, what time should things be open? Can we get the Euros trophy? There was some real, you know, meticulous planning that went in and we were so proud that on the day, you know, we, we surpassed all of our kind of ambitions of, of what we hoped for in attendance. And we were like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and now we've got a platform to build off and we've got to, you know, we've almost got to make sure that every year, you know, we, we build on this success. And, and last year we kind of reviewed it and said, you know, how can we make this better? You know, what do we have to do? You know, how can we build on this? And, you know, this year it's already been announced that we're hoping to have two games at Cow Road, which is just excellent. So, you know, we have a brilliant team behind a team. Um, I, I kind of say that quite a lot, but we do. We have teams within our office that, that work so tirelessly from our commercial teams to our media teams to our operations teams of, you know, putting events on and, and kind of all the planning that goes behind that. You know, there's so much that that as a club we want to do and so so many ideas that, that we have that we're, we're trying to get off the ground. And, and ultimately, they're all for the the growth of the women's team and the women's game um, because we're not also inspiring our local community we're we're inspiring a next generation too um of hopefully you know young girls who'll be wearing a Norwich City shirt 
Yeah, absolutely. And we're obviously speaking a few days after the World Cup final, which I think we're both still a little bit sore about, so we won't do on that. But it, it does feel like women's football's at a really important juncture at the moment. Obviously, the, the Euros win last year just fell short in, in, in the World Cup this year. I mean, you must feel like, particularly at the moment, there's so many eyes on, on women's football. There's so much room there for growth, perhaps more than there ever been. You've, you've played in, in, in the game as well. Um, you must be really excited about the state of women's football at the moment and, and I guess your guys' role within that but also the opportunities that, that are there as well. Yeah, how great is it that the, the Lionesses have been in two major finals in the last 13 months? You know, brilliant, you know, absolutely a great advert for not only women's football but also the, the legacy that they've, they've created and also they're continuing to, continuing to create. You know, we see Lauren Hem for, you know, a North Welshman girl, a Norfolk girl who's flying the flag very high at the moment. Uh, and, you know, we're super excited by, one, what the Lionesses have done, but also the the kind of growth that the domestic game will now see. Because because of that stage they've created, we've seen, you know, attendance has increased already, you know, commercial interest, you know, viewing figures. It's it's just excellent to see this growth. Yes, as a club and, and as a country, we have a, you know, a duty to almost capitalize on that and create some some real clear strategies on on how we move forward and grow women's football's in a in a unique position that that we're kind of forging a, a path and forging some some kind of creations right now that that hopefully will will kind of stead the game as a sustainable platform going forward yeah and i think when we, when we speak about the women's team Norwich City at the moment, we, we referenced that in Carrow game, but actually you look at the nest and the tendencies were, were rising throughout last season, you probably got to a stage towards the end where you were really pleased with the numbers that, that you were getting into the nest every week. It does feel like it's it's building gradually compared to where when you first came in, so you must be really proud of everything that last season was off the pitch as, as well as on the pitch. Yeah, we're so lucky to have a brilliant facility in the nest and we've really made that into our home. It's a proper fortress for any away team that, that plays us there. I think we've created a, you know, an atmosphere and that's credit to our fans, you know, the, the people who turn up week in, week out of the nest and, and the energy that they bring. But also, again, I speak about the team behind the team. We have super individuals and super, super teams that collaborate to bring a match day together but also all the hard work that goes in behind the scenes to, to plan events, to, to put on kind of, you know, exhibitions that the fans can come and enjoy before a game. It's been a hectic summer for you, hasn't it, since, since that uh, last Camaro game? You've obviously had to replace a head coach, you've made seven signings, there's been lots of logistics stuff that you've got another game at Camaro to prepare for. I hope you've had some sleep amongst all of this. Um, let's, let's start with the, the head coach search then. What was that like before we get into Martin? What was that like as a process? How did that plan out? Did it go the way that you expected, that you wanted? Did you learn anything from, from that process? It was a long process. It started off with some conversations probably a, a long time ago, many months ago with the UEA. Um, we've got a, a strong strategic partnership in place as a club and we kind of collaborated together. They they had some kind of suggestions on some ideas that, that they had moving forward around where they hope to take their university programme, where the women's football kind of sits in their priorities. And it was really clear that, you know, we've got a unique opportunity to collaborate. There's some real benefits of, of teaming up, um, player developments at the centre of what we're trying to do. And that's a big part of, of the UEA partnership. So. You know, it was a real meticulous process because we had many stages of the interview um, process and, and, and Martin's resume stood out for a coach to have coached in, in New Zealand, Canada, in the UK, with women's teams as well. You know, his, his record speaks for itself. 
Um, we were super excited and, and his personality just shone, shone through and, and uh, so far he, he's been a, a real asset and um, we're super excited to see kind of what he can forge with the team going forward as well. And, and again, in terms of a process, was it you that, that made that decision with, with Martin? Was it a group of people? How, how did that process kind of kind of work? To, to, once you identified Martin as your preferred mm-hmm. candidate, who, whose say was it? Was it a collaborative thing? Was it, was it your kind of... Yeah, it was, it was a, obviously it's a joint role with the UEA, so there was lots of different conversations. It was a real tough process, um, but we were super excited once, once we found, found Martin and, and you know, as, soon as, as soon as we uh, appointed him, we, we couldn't wait to get started. And, and again, from the recruitment side of things, you made seven signings. How, how has that worked? Has he been involved in that process? Is, is it something that you knew the style he wanted to play and it was recruiting to that process? How how's that kind of work with the, the new additions that you've made? Yeah, I think all the new signings we've made have really brought um, both quality and experience to the squad. Um, we identified kind of some areas that, that we needed to strengthen in. Um, I think we look at some of the signings we've brought in some are really young, hungry and up and coming. Um, and you look at someone like Sarah Quanchel, who has got bags of experience, you know, played at Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, you know, she's learned some real key um, skills. Uh, and for someone who can, can come in and, and work really closely with Bryony as well, I think we've got some, some real good balance within our squad now to push on. And, and, and the kind of the kind of role that we thought that we needed to play was we need a squad that, that Martin can really work with and he can imp- implement his philosophy on and we're really excited by by that squad. Good stuff and, and, and the aims for, for this season as well which uh, it always does make me chuckle when people talk about aims because it's a really difficult thing to, to speak about but being very idealistic I think the, the aim for you guys was, was to obviously make progress last year. Are you being a bit more narrow-minded? Is it promotion this this season is is that kind of where you where you feel this squad is at it's obviously a very competitive division one goes up how are you kind of looking ahead to the, to the new season and maybe where you sit it's super competitive isn't it you know one goes up um two teams come down into our league as well so you know it's going to be really tough this season you know we've we've made no kind of uh you know we've, we've always said that you know we don't want to be in the minors we want to be in the majors Yes, it takes some time to climb that pyramid and we're trying to do it organically. We're trying to do it in, in you know, a way that is sustainable through supporting the team with the right infrastructure, having the right people in. Um, you know, we've seen this year developments of, you know, bringing Martin in and, you know, training here at the Lotus Training Centre. You know, all of these sort of small infrastructure um, changes has a massive impact on performance. The ability to bring the team in and, and bring them into an analysis suite where we can, you know, break down a game and review it's just excellent. And those are the kind of infrastructure changes that we've looked to implement this year and, and giving the team all the tools to say, you know, here you go, you know, we, we're providing everything we can right now. So, you know, hopefully that's that's gonna have some massive uh, performance boosts on the pitch. In terms of, of Martin, obviously, and again, I, I, will, I will ask you specifically about him in a moment, but we've got to speak about Sean as well and, and the impact that he had to, to grow the club to where it was. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I oversaw the, the club whilst they were integrated into the, into the first team, it was a, a, sorry, into the club. It was obviously a, an excellent season that, that he had last year, capped with that Carrow win, County Cup win as well, which was a great way to sign off for, for him. Yeah. Just kind of talk to us about the influence that, that he had and how much he'll be missed, I guess, by, by the girls and the team and, and, and his impact overall at the club over the last few years. Yeah, Sean, Sean was excellent. Um, his work rate, his commitment to develop the team was spot on. 
Um, obviously, it was it was sad when he left the club, um, but he left it in a, in a much better place than he found it, and and it was so so pleasing to kind of hear when when he left and and he spoke to the girls. He spoke, you know, had many conversations with me on on his reasons why he was leaving, and and actually we kind of sat down and, and said, you know. What a what a place to leave the team in, having won a county cup, having won in front of seven and a half thousand people at Cow Road, and and he's he's left his stamp on the team, and and that was part of the recruitment process as well. You know, we had we had big shoes to fill with with who we appointed, um, which was credit to Sean. Yeah, and it's, it's a slightly different, right? I think Sean has, has said pretty publicly that the the demands of the role at the moment with the UEA stuff that you spoke about, with it being a full time role, which is really exciting as well, probably wouldn't have have worked for him. Um, so, so in terms of, of Martin, I mean, you said earlier his, his resume stood out and you listed some reasons for that, but has he, has he kind of, he's only sitting in the other room, so maybe we have to keep it up, but has he been everything that you kind of expected so far? Has, has he fitted in well the, the, the last few weeks because he seems an absolute bundle of, of energy? Yeah, absolutely. He's come in with some really clear ideas on how he wants the team to play. Yes, it's going to take some time, naturally. You know, we, we only have a limited amount of time with the players. Um, it's not as if they're full-time athletes and we, you know, Martin can deliver day in, day out on, you know, tactical ways of playing. So we're having to think very innovatively on how we, uh, how we deliver content to the team and how Martin can deliver key messages. You know, he, he came in for the Roxham game during pre-season um, and then he had, you know, only a matter of less than two weeks to prepare for his first league game. So, you know, he, he's been excellent and, he, and he's, he's just got stuck in and, and he's been everything that we hoped for. Yeah, and, and, and as you say, to, for someone to have so much commitment to this role, they're willing to relocate, they're willing to move to a new area, learn a new area, learn a new club as well. That that must be a massive plus for you, I guess, in terms of his commitment and, and where he sees the potential of this team as well. Absolutely. From from the first conversation we had, um, you know, it was, you know, his enthusiasm, enthusiasm shone through, um, his motivation and, and the reasons why he wanted to take the role kind of stood out. Um, and it inspired me actually to hear kind of his story, his journey and how, how he wants to shape the development of players here. You know, a big part of what we do is centred around developing our homegrown players. We're super proud of our pathway. You know, we see Lauren Hemp, you know, in the, Euro, um, in the Euros and both the World Cup. Um, so we're, we're hoping that we can bring through the next, the next generation of Lionesses, but also of, of Norwich City women's team players. And, and that's a big part of what we're trying to do going forward is, is create a team that's centred around homegrown talent. And, and on that pathway for you, I mean, what, what at the moment is considered a success? Is it a young player moving up the pyramid and having to go somewhere else to do that? Or is it them... Well, I guess it's, it's kind of how, how do you get to a stage where you're able to, and maybe this is a question for the men's team as well, but how do you get to a stage where you can retain that young talent that you're building through? Or is it a case that you're probably going to have to have a few cycles before that, that you're maybe at a stage to do that within the, within the women's game, if that makes sense? Yeah, we're, well, like I said, we're super proud of our pathway and, and we've seen Eloise Moran come in over the last 12 months and, and really kind of stake a claim in the team, you know, for someone so young to have such maturity and, and such authority on the pitch as well, playing as a centre midfielder at her age, it's been a breath of fresh air. And ultimately, if, if we're doing our jobs right and developing players at the moment where we sit in the women's football pyramid, inevitably we may lose some players, but hopefully that's because we've done our job as a club right. 
yes we want to climb that pyramid and yes we want to climb that ladder and hopefully you know we retain those players but but it's certainly a task we've got on our hands and and one that we're we're looking forward to kind of seeing how it develops yeah and that's that's obviously one aspect of the strategy i mean from from your perspective how far ahead in, in the future are you looking and planning for how, is it is it kind of two year cycles three year cycles a bit more fluid than that how does it kind of work from your perspective to look ahead and, and, and what the future may, may look like and might hold for this the women's team in this club yeah we, we plan kind of for all eventualities um you know we, we look longer term we look short term we look mid-term um you know short term we're, we're, we're looking at how we can develop our team right now and, and Martin's integral to that and how he can implement his his tactical uh, you know information to them longer term you know like I said we, we don't want to be playing in the minors we want to be in the majors yes that takes time yes that takes organic growth but ultimately as a club we want to do it sustainable sustainably um, and that's at the heart of what we're trying to do yeah and, and I guess it, it is that process as well and, and do you feel because of so much has happened with this team kind of off the pitch integration in, in, in the club, obviously you've, you've hired a, a full-time head coach. Now that the focus needs to shift to on the pitch, is that kind of where you are with where this team is? Whilst, of course, maintaining that, that off-pitch growth, but is, has there been a shift, I guess, because, as you said, it's, it, is it now about kind of on-pitch success and pushing the team up, up the levels for you as, as well? How do you kind of assess assess that aspect as, as the focus shifted from off the pitch to, to on the pitch? Yeah, look, in football, you know, we all want to win. Um, we don't, you know, we're not in football to lose. You know, we, we're we not. <laughs> we do want to win games. You know, we do want to see success. But success can be measured in lots of different ways. And, you know, we, we just talked about, you know, success of developing homegrown players. And for that, for, for us, that's at the heart of what we're trying to do. And you look at the success of the Carrow Road game last year, you know, there's lots of different successes that we've seen. And there's lots of different um, kind of targets and lots of different things that, that we've got our eye on in the future. Not to say that, that those are, um, you know, too far away, but, but we're really excited. I, I guess there's an element for you where everything is so exciting on the horizon, but there, there also needs to be a focus on now, doesn't there? And, and where you sit now, it's, it's, and I know I've asked you questions before about becoming professional and, and all of those aspects. But actually, I guess your role is focusing on the steps in between to reach that point, and, and that may be a, a lengthy process as well. So um, that that must be quite a balancing act for you to look long term and short term at the at the same at the same time. Do you find that easy to, to do on a kind of personal basis? Yeah, absolutely. We always kind of look longer term, and you know, we're quite lucky because we can look at other clubs as kind of best examples, best practices, and and almost visit them and, and use them as case studies. Um, so we're in a really fortunate position. Um, you know, yes, you know, it takes some time, it takes some growth, but, but we're super proud of what we're creating and we're super proud of, proud of the journey that we're going on. Um, everyone at the club, when you talk to them about the women's team, you know, is, is only filled with, with enthusiasm and also with loads of innovative ideas because, you know, ultimately, you know, yes, it is a different demographic and a different target audience that supports women's football. And it's, you know, it's not a Saturday afternoon at Cow Road. You know, typically it's, it's different, you know, and, and we're under no illusions of that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just football. Um, and, and we're super proud and super excited of, of what hopefully is to come in the future. That, that probably leads us on nicely. I've, I've uh, got to ask you about uh, the comments that, that, that Stuart Weber made earlier in the summer around women's football. I think he was asked a, a question on it specifically and uh, maybe spoke about uh, how it wasn't particularly of, of interest to him and, and uh, I think he made reference to the quality aspect of it. 
from from your perspective, I guess what's what was kind of your reaction to seeing reading those comments? But I guess more so probably on on the players who I imagine would have read that stuff as well as how 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 has that kind of process been? Have they come and spoken about it? Has there been a conversation about it openly? How's how's it kind of played out? Yeah, Stuart is nothing but honest, and um, I get so much support from Stu. Um, you know, on a daily, we'll be, uh, you know, WhatsApping back and forth. And, and he was the first person to actually, you know, come and speak to the girls immediately. Um, you know, he was, he, he spoke to the girls and kind of explained, you know, where, where, the, where the sort of long-term plan is for the women's team, how closely him and I work together. Um, and that really resonated with the players. Um, sometimes, you know, there, there's things that are said and sometimes there's things that are read online. And, you know, actions speak louder than words. Um, you know, I have so much support from Stu. He's so invested in the team. You know, the strides we've made this year, we train here at Lotus Training Centre twice a week. We've got staff that, that are across both the men's first team and our women's first team now in the physical performance areas, the medical, sports science. So all of these kind of actions, you know, they speak so much louder than words. And, and I can only place on record, you know, my thanks for all of Stuart's guidance because... I'm learning lots and only the other day did Martin and I go and have lunch with, with David and Stuart um, and, and just spoke about football and spoke about, you know, the upcoming games for the men's teams, our upcoming games and, and you know, we, we all have similar challenges um, so it was great to almost, you know, share information and, and at our club we're so, you know, I think it's such a progressive club on, on how we share information across different departments and, and Stuart's door is literally always open um, and I can just go and knock, it, knock on his door and, and have a chat and, and have a cup of tea sometimes just to kind of go through some things and, and I can only place on record the, the guidance that I'm getting and, and also that the, the strides the team is making and we've seen in a year how much, how much progression we've made both on and off the pitch and I'm certain that it's only going to keep going. Can you understand why there, there will have been a lot of people, supporters, I guess, who maybe have invested a lot in the women's team and come to watch the women's team regularly, who, who will have been disappointed by, by those comments and appreciate, obviously, that they wouldn't have been privy to him going and speaking to the team thereafter. But can you understand the reaction it got? I guess for a lot of people, it's maybe the type of comments and, and however way you meant it that maybe people feel women's football is fighting against, if, if that makes sense. So can you understand why there has been that, that reaction to it that, that maybe there was earlier in the summer? Well, we had 7,500 people come and watch the game at Cow Road. So, so we know that, that our women's team is at the heart of our community. And again, I can only kind of stress that, that actions speak louder than words and that we're, we want to inspire and support our local community. You know, two games at Cow Road next year, you know, all, you know, we've seen uplifts in media coverage and getting to know personalities across our women's team. You know, we're really committed to, as a club to put our women's team at the, the forefront of what we're doing. You know, I think it's, you know, evident that joint signing sessions over the summer, school holidays, we've had watch-alongs at Cow Road. You know, all of these actions are speaking louder than words and, and I think it's a statement from the club of our intent of, of where our women's team sits. Yeah, I mean, we're speaking here at Colney, where you and Martin are both here. You've got a training session here this evening. Uh, sort of tell us a little bit about the involvement that you guys have here and the facilities that are. I mean, you've mentioned analysis rooms and physiotherapy and, and maybe split staff who work between the men's and the women's team. Tell us a little bit more about that relationship with the sporting side of, of the club and, and how that's sort of played out and developed over the last year or so. Yeah, it's happened organically. You know, like I said, everyone at this football club is so welcoming. Um, we have conversations across different departments, across different teams. 
Martin and I sit in the same office as, as all the academy staff and, and this site is so so open to information sharing on best practices um, and it's a it's a high performance environment um, you know it's it's a category one academy and so the information and, and the kind of culture that this place is 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 inspiring um, it really is and it ups our game too um, but we've seen you know we the girls come in on, on an evening they use the analysis suites you know they're out into the dome in the winter when it's you know blowing a gale and we're trying to do set plays you know it's it's great that Martin can have all of these uh, facilities and the infrastructure at his disposal um, because he can go in and kind of deliver a session and not have to worry about, you know, uh, do we have floodlights or, you know, is it, you know, tipping down with rain? You know, we, we've got everything and, and we, we've got all of those kind of, you know, what ifs um, and all of those kind of options to hand. You, you've referenced the relationship with the UEA, the strategic partnership that you guys have. Obviously, Martin's working across kind of both. Um, talk to us a little bit about how that's played out and, and what it involves for him and, and for the club more widely as well. Yeah, it's it's really exciting for us. Um, we spent a lot of time with UEA, kind of working out how best the the role would materialise, a structure in place around you know the the, the Bucks team there, our women's team how both can complement each other you know we have lots of players who study at the UEA but also play in our team so it was kind of a unique opportunity to to combine the role um so you know Martin's going to have time with with players you know probably three four five days a week um which is only going to improve player development um you know naturally we see you know players who are full-time you know who you know we're not at that stage yet but if we can get some of our players who are training three, four or five times a week, naturally their development is going to accelerate. So, yeah, we saw it as a, as a massive step forward in what we're trying to do right now. I think there's, there's been a, a massive study into, into women's football that was released earlier this summer. It spoke kind of about the structure of it and how to take it forward. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it said uh, that in an ideal world it would like in the future to make kind of the top two divisions of, of women's football professional. I mean, is, is that... Feel what is that kind of the route that you see it going from here, and and what does it take, I guess, for the women's pyramid more broad, more broadly? There's obviously a lot of focus on the Super League, but the levels below that, what what needs to happen to help progress those divisions, the levels that, that you guys are at, but also the, the maybe the two divisions ahead of you guys. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the women's Super League has gone from strength to strength in you know probably the space of a year, and the FA have probably noticed that you know to see all of our you know, next generation of Lionesses coming through, the talent's now coming through at tier four, tier three. Um, you know, and so, yes, the investment kind of needs to kind of you know, drip down the pyramid, and I naturally think it will, off the successes of this year's World Cup. Um, so I think we're, we're set for a really exciting future women's football. And I think you know, reports like Karen Carney's review into women's football in, in this country are only going to create you know, really healthy discussions around the future and, and the sustainability of women's football as well, because that's important. You know, we we want to see longevity and we want to see you know, generations coming through and, and actually that every, every generation you know, is, is, is a better place and the women's game is a better place for it. Absolutely, and obviously I've, I've got to ask you about the Lionesses, and I guess Lauren Hemp specifically, someone you played with, someone you, you, you know well on a personal level, you must be really proud of, of everything that she's achieved, Euros, World Cup finalist, for a girl from North Walsh, it's not bad, is it? 
yeah, super, super proud of her. You know, look, on the world stage, tearing it up. You know, a Norfolk girl, a local hero. How how brilliant is that? That that people of all ages can look up to Lauren, especially in our county, and and be so inspired. I think, I think she's just you know gone away to Australia and New Zealand this this summer, and and really. Sh- She's shown the world what she can do. And I think it's exciting to know that, you know, with her age, she's only going to get better as well. Um, so I know, I know everyone at Norfolk is, is all, always behind her and, and hopefully we'll, we'll see maybe at the next Euros and hopefully at the next World Cup, there'll be, uh, there'll be gold, gold medals around her neck again. Yeah, she, she, was, she had outstanding. I think there's a, a mural in, in North Walsham of, of her, which is uh, just incredible. I mean, from, from the place where, where you were, as a young person trying to play football, trying to make a career out of football, to see that, to see Lauren's face on the side of a wall, to see the viewing figures for the World Cup final, you must be so pleased and proud and, and I don't know, how, how does it feel to see where women's football is at the moment? Because it, it feels like it's really, particularly in this country, really accelerated over the last 12 months and I guess everyone looks at the, the Lionesses for, for being responsible for that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people tune in on their TVs over the last few weeks and have seen, you know, a, a final, a semi-final, a quarter-final and, and really got behind the team. I think it's important that, that the domestic game now kind of, you know, reaps the rewards of that. So, you know, I would only encourage fans to come down to the nest, come to Cow Road, experience women's football um, because of the development and, and, the, and the kind of platform we hope to build over the next few years I think it's so exciting that, that the Lionesses have almost given us a springboard to to kind of put women's football in the shop window yeah we, we just a final couple I mean we, we, we spoke about the attendances increasing in the nest but is there a point in the, in the future where I don't know you have to expand it or there's a view of having to play football somewhere else is that sustainable for the growth and the levels of growth that, that you hope to, to see in the, in the coming years yeah, well, well, right now we were averaging about 350 last year at the Nest. And so this year we're hoping to build on that. Um, you know, when we're not quite at a point where we're selling the Nest out every week. You know, if we get to that point, yes, there'll be different conversations, but we're nowhere near that right now. So, you know, we can't run before we can walk. We've got to, you know, look at the next steps on how we increase that number year on year um, and how we do that organically as well. And just just finally, then let's let's close with the Cow Road game that's coming out. Two thousand ticket, tickets sold already. Where where are you? Because obviously you've got something comparable now to compare it with. Where are you kind of tracking in terms of ticket sales? Are they where you'd like them to be? Are they ahead of of where it was at the same stage for the last Cow Road game? I mean, it's still absolutely major interest in it in a mm-hmm. women's football game, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're we're hoping to to build on those attendance numbers last year. We're hopeful that that many who enjoyed the game will return again, and and I'd encourage everyone who who enjoyed it to to tell their friends to to bring a mate, and um, hopefully we'll see them all there on the tenth of September again. Have you uh, asked you this question last time? And I guess the answer is full, but. Is, is the success of that a bigger attendance than 7,500? That must be your, your guys' aims if you, were, if you were to sit back and be very ambitious about it. Well, we've got 27,000 seats to fill, you know, it, you know but, but we're, um, we're super excited by, by, by what we've got planned and um, we're, we're hopeful that, that many will have watched the Lionesses over the summer and, and just want to go and support their local women's team. You know, we've got such a strong local community and, and such a strong bond between the football club and, and our community that we hope that, that many will come down on the 10th of September to support our team. Uh, and just finally then, what, what do you, as we sit here today, deem 
if you could fast forward to May and look in the crystal ball, what would you deem as success on and off the season, off and off the on and off the pitch? Sorry for for Norwich City winning this year. What does success look like? Yeah, I think like I said, success is measured in so many different ways, but. But we just want to see, you know, our players growing week in, week out. You know, they're not just footballers, they're people too. Um, you know, we have a responsibility to develop them holistically, you know, so that, that's a big measure of success. Um, player developments at the core, yes, we want to be bringing through, continue to bring through homegrown players. You know, we had Eloise Moran last year. You know, we want to keep bringing through the next generation um, so that's a big part of what we're trying to do. But also off the pitch, we talked about attendances. You know, that's huge as well. Um, you know, and, and I think for us, we're year, you know, this is year two of the journey of integration. Um, and we've got so much we want to do, but we can't run before we, we can walk. So we've got to take those steps slow. Brilliant stuff. Thank you, Flo. No worries.